This is Back Talk by Successful Black Parenting Magazine, the most listened to podcast for parents by parents. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Back Talk by Successful Black Parenting Magazine. This is the talk show and podcast for parents. I'm J.R. Celeste, your host and publisher of Successful Parenting Media. I want you to share this broadcast with all of your friends and followers. Don't forget to leave your comments and questions, and we'll do our best to answer them after the show. So here we are today, and we are talking with Siobhan Davenport, and we're going to be talking about teen mental health. So I just want to welcome you to the show. How are you? you so much. I'm doing well, thank you. I appreciate right. I appreciate being here today. Well, tell us a little bit about you and your organization and what it is that you do there. Absolutely. Well, first of all, um, I'm a parent, just like your listeners and viewers are. I have a 16-year-old daughter and a 15-year-old, a soon-to-be 15-year-old son. But I'm also the president and CEO of Crittenton Services of Greater Washington, which is based in the Washington District of Columbia region. And what we do is that we serve and support, mentor over 400 teen girls from the 6th through 12th grade. So our program leaders work in small groups that meet weekly of 15 to 18 girls, and they are well-trained in social-emotional learning practices, positive youth development, and trauma-informed care. So a girl could potentially have a continuum of relationship with us of that seven years from sixth through 12th grade. Okay, all right. So that's, that's absolutely wonderful that you offer all of that help. Um, now, you wrote an article for us that will be out and live and launching on Thursday, guys. So look out for it. It's really good about teen mental health. So specifically today, I want to talk about girls because I noticed that with the girls, especially during the pandemic, um, not being able to be with friends, they really suffered a lot. I mean, we can touch on boys too, but I really want to talk about the, the, the girls because it seems to be a problem. Um, we've been talking about this past week in the office about the suicide rates going up and all of that. And can you just touch on what you've seen that's different with this pandemic and teen mental health, especially with our black children? Oh, absolutely. And yes, you're right. Um, the CDC has reported that there's a 50% increase in attempted suicide rates with teen girls. And so we are seeing that across the board. I, I would say that if you've heard of the caregiving economy, I don't want to forget about our teen girls who have been instrumental in taking care of younger siblings, neighbors, cousins, etc., as their black parents are considered essential workers and have to go to work. We have a sixth grader who was helping uh, with younger siblings. She had an aunt and uncle dropping off uh, children. She had an infant. As she was trying to log into her own classes, she was helping the younger ones log into theirs. So this is very real for what our girls are, are suffering. Um, because we serve over 400 girls, what we do is that we did a um, an assessment and we wanted to know how are you? What is going on in your lives? And the majority of our girls have reported increased rates of anxiety, depression, uh, lack of concentration, disengagement from school. Uh, the, we've heard of the learning gap, but now we have the pandemic learning loss. And our girls are experiencing that. We've collected 
report cards and we're just stunned to see that most of the girls we serve are uh, actually reading at one grade level below, but we actually have two eighth graders who are reading at the first grade level. So uh, our girls have been uh, negatively impacted by the pandemic and just their worry and concern over their health, their family's health and the financial status of their families as well. Well, there's also another component that you made me think about when you said that, because um, you have students who are now failing school because they could not adapt to this new virtual learning environment. And the schools really didn't know what they were doing with that. They, they were thrown into it. So, you know, there was no blame on their part either. They were doing the best they could. But we have children who are failing um, or feeling as if they're failing or that they didn't learn anything over that past year, which contributes to their mental health, you know, or the decline of their mental health. Absolutely. And our girls are telling us telling us this all the time. Uh, just what you stated, they feel they haven't really learned. Uh, we have a, a straight A student who shared in math this year because she said, I really needed to be in the classroom. I needed to be able to ask my questions and have that exchange, not just with my teacher, but with my fellow students. And she says, I don't feel like I really learned that much this year. So we're certainly seeing that across the board. And, um, and what I would like to say is that we are looking at addressing it. Schools are looking at addressing it by offering summer programs. And so uh, we collect report cards and we're just astounded by what we found. Uh, we knew that there was going to be a pandemic learning loss. We just didn't understand how deeply that loss is. So we have a summer program that focuses on literacy. We've engaged with um, an expert in helping particularly black girls because there are not a lot of books that they relate to and you know that's why our children aren't reading they don't see themselves in the pages of of these books so she is an expert with helping black girls increase their literacy rate and so um, we will be working with them but because it's a camp we make it fun so we have all kinds of activities for them uh, field trips art uh, meditation, yoga, all kinds of things to, to help our young ladies um, deal with the stress that they're under in a very constructive way while helping them address that, that pandemic learning loss as well. And I do think that schools are offering it too, but we, this is a long-term commitment on our from our organization. And I certainly think that we should all be looking at this as a long-term um, a support system that we need in place for our for our young students. Absolutely. Now, you touched on the caregiving um, situation with our black girls. Now, the African American community was hit pretty hard um, by the pandemic and coronavirus itself. A lot of children lost their parents or someone close to them: grandparent, aunt, uncle. They had to deal with death for the first time ever. Can you touch on that and, and how it affects our children? If there's any programs out there to help them to cope with these situations. Uh, absolutely. And you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, the pandemic has devastated our community and we have girls in our program. Uh, one of our middle school girls actually lost her mother during the pandemic. Um, we have another student who was actually caregiving for her grandfather and lost him during the pandemic. So, uh, so we certainly see it on our end, but 
of course, statistics play it out that this is a nationwide um, uh, unfortunate um, uh, aspect of the pandemic for the black community. So when you ask what is available in the communities, uh, well, what we are trying to do is link our families to mental health supports. And, uh, and of course, what we're finding is that it's, it's difficult to do, but in partnership with uh, the Washington DC Department of Health, uh, we have been able to link our families to mental health services. And I do think what we're going to have to do as a nation is first of all, declare that we're in a mental health emergency crisis at this point in time. And we're going to have to put our money behind that commitment and really look at hiring uh, additional mental health care providers who look like the communities in which they will be serving, who have shared lived experiences, and who are culturally competent. That's the number one reason our teen girls tell us that they don't want to have mental health services is because the person just doesn't understand their lived experience and they're having a difficult time connecting with them. They want the mental health help, even in families mm -hmm. that still view it as a stigma, our girls are saying the opposite. We held um, a summit that was teen-led with our young ladies talking about mental health. And the number one thing they said is, we need it. But <laughs> even in the face of families that think it's not something uh, that they want their children to be involved in, but the, but the girls themselves are saying, we recognize the stress we're under, we recognize the toll that the pandemic is taking on our mental health, and we really need those supports. How do we convince the parents that? Because as a teacher, I saw a student reach out for mental health um, assistance and the parents said, no, we will handle it and we will handle it in church, which is great. But, you know, sometimes they need more and the student didn't get the help they needed. Um, so how do we convince these parents that besides church, church is great. Talk to your preacher do all of that, but there's also another component that your child might need. Absolutely. And uh, and so what I find is with our program leaders who develop a close relationship with our teen girls and subsequently with their families, they become a trusted source of factual information. So they do share with our families uh, the importance of mental health and, and try to break down those stigmas around mental health, that they're, that it's a, it's, if your child had a broken arm, for example, you would take them to see a doctor. You want them to get medical treatment. This is the same thing. And so uh, I, I know that in society that we're, we're really focused on, I, I commend actress Taraji P. Henson for the work that she's doing around breaking down those stigmas around mental health, but we need more people um, and more people within the community that families actually trust and come in contact with to really share with families that this is just a part of the emotional well-being of your child. And, um, and, and not only will it impact your child, but you're going to see a big difference in your child. It's going to impact you and your family. You can come together if you're addressing the needs of your child. Oh, that's great to know because that's exactly what I want to know. How can I make this real to a parent? If I'm, you're talking to me as a parent who don't, does not want to get help for my child, what would you say? And that whole um, thing that you gave about the uh, broken arm, 
Perfect. I think that's perfect to say to someone because um, we need to give our parents words in their mouths of what to say to other parents who might not be getting their child what they need. So that that was a perfect example. Uh, let me ask you this too, because you've been touched on this a bit. And I know from my own family, when we're looking for a mental health counselor, we're looking for someone who looks like us. So how do we help our families find that? And do you do that as well? Because I know you, you mentioned it a little bit there in your, your um, last statement. Yes, well, in the work that we're doing, we actually hired uh, two resource coordinators this past year because we we already knew uh, that mental health was going to be a, a, was going to be the number one thing that our families needed. Um, and so, what we found was really dismal, to be honest. Um, when we could find providers, they just didn't have the capacity to take on new clients, or their wait lists were six, eight and up to one year long. So when I say that we have a, health, a mental health crisis in our country, uh, I'm saying it not just from uh, those who need it, but for the providers. We just simply do not have enough and we have to make that investment in our, uh, in our mental health services to uh, ensure that we are um, hiring those individuals, like you said, that look like the people in which we're asking them to serve. So it really has to come not just from the community. I mean, we have we are going to have to advocate for it um, and, and talk to our elected leaders. And we have done that as well. It was a girl led conversation. And we had uh, some of our uh, local elected leaders a part of that conversation. And the girls shared exactly that that this is what I want. I want to be able to talk to someone who looks like me, who has my shared experiences and who understands uh, the culture in which I'm operating. And so I think we're going to have to be much more forceful in getting the support that our children and our families need. Right, exactly, exactly. Now, so you're local, correct? So what about everyone else that that's not near you? I mean, I've seen even apps now that you can get help with. What do you think about that? Yes, I think the app, I, I do think that families should utilize apps as well. Um, if you mm -hmm. cannot find a provider, if the wait list is too long and you do need to talk to someone right away, I think the apps are an excellent alternative. Um, and, and now that we're in this whole virtual world, telehealth has actually become an industry. So um, maybe perhaps you're not finding someone local, but via telehealth, you're finding a provider who may not live in your immediate community, but yet can fit your needs. So I think, um, you know, th there are some positives coming out of moving everything into a virtual world. Yes. And I think the teens, that's perfect for teens because they're already, you know, conditioned to using apps in their phone. So if uh, as a parent, if you can get that set up for them. I think that's a nice out. And here's the other thing about mental health that I noticed has changed over the last decade or so that, um, you know, with uh, manifestations and all that, people want to be positive and positive and no one wants to hear your negativity. And you may be crying out for help. But no one wants to touch you because now you're like this this negative pariah, you know. No one wants to hear your your negative thoughts, and they don't realize that you're going through something because you're down and depressed. So, you know, there's something to be said to about listening too, as as a friend or as a parent. 
Um, and how do you get your parents to do that? Like, do you, do you have like conversations about the art of listening? Because that is really an art these days. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I, I'm really happy that you brought that up because it is. Active listening is an art. And what we tell our parents is, and, and what I practice, I mean, I can even attest to it in my own family, that uh, having two teenagers, one is an extrovert. My daughter's true, true extrovert. My son is a true, true introvert. So I let them lead the conversation when they're ready for it. And I find myself, um, it's, it's very interesting. I find myself having conversations with them for like 30 minutes where I literally have just said, uh-huh, okay, oh, I, I think this is really great. I, you know, I don't, I don't comment. I don't, uh, you know, make a face that, oh, I can't believe you're sharing any of this with me, you know, just trying to stay neutral, but being an active listener. So yes, this is something that we share with our parents. That's extremely important to let your child talk. Um, you will learn more by letting them talk than by, you know, questioning and, and, and trying to get through a list in your own mind. I think you're right. You know, when people are talking, we're so busy trying to figure out what our answer is going to be. We miss their point entirely. So yes, becoming an active listener, I think will make you an extremely successful parent with your children. And, um, and like I said, I let them say whatever it is on their minds. And they know that, you know, they can talk to me about most things, you know, they're teens, so I know I'm not hearing everything, but I do hear a lot. And I get to listen to who their friends are, what their friends like, um, and and making certain that their friend circle is is pretty consistent. Because one, um, one, uh, thing that parents can look out for if your child is experiencing depression, anxiety, etc. Look out for the friend circle. Have they suddenly changed friends? Um, and are they engaging in risky behaviors? You know, parents have to remain vigilant. So in these conversations, I'm listening for, okay, I've heard this name. Okay, I've heard this name before. This is good. And listening out for those friend circles and what their friends are interested in and what their friends are doing as well. That's just as key to finding out what's going on with your children. That was going to be my next question. What should parents look for when um, they are suspicious, I should say, of um, their child having mental health issues? And that's one is to watch the friend circle and, and also to engage them in active listening. Do you have any other tips like that? Oh, certainly. Um, I would say look to see if your child's behavior has changed. Have they been, is there an activity or something that they were really engaged with that they enjoy? Now they're not doing it. Are they sleeping more? Are they spending more time alone? Uh, have their eating patterns changed? We've had a parent that shared with us that her daughter could not stop eating suddenly. And, you know, and of course, all the comfort food, all the junk food. And she was very concerned about her daughter who um, who was actually outgoing and suddenly was spending uh, more time in her room by herself, even though obviously we're in the pandemic and she couldn't go out with her friends, but she was just disengaging from some of the activities that she enjoyed. And then our program leader shared with the parent what she was seeing, that that her daughter who was very engaged with the programs was suddenly sporadically in attendance or having to have much more frequent reminders on when her meetings were taking place. So our parent and program leader were able to, since they were such an important part of her child's ecosystem, they were able to 
understand that her child really was experiencing depression and came up with a support system to help her daughter re-engage with us and re-engage with her family. So I would say that, uh, you know, parents really have to remain vigilant. The other, um, the other uh, tip that I would give parents is that now, you know, your teens were already on a in a virtual world, your children were already in a virtual world. Now we all are. So we have to remain vigilant because cyberbullying is very real and it actually increased during the pandemic. We've had many uh, of our girls talk about, uh, I don't want to turn my camera on because people will take a picture and then they'll share it. Like if I'm, you know, if, I, if the camera freezes and I'm making a face and, you know, to a child, a preteen teenager, that is the worst thing that could potentially ever happen. So, you know, so parents really have to remain vigilant and, and watch what your children are doing and what apps that they're using, et cetera, and who they're engaging with online is extremely important. And then I would also share if your child is suddenly very anxious, uh, feels overwhelmed, very stressed out, those are also signs uh, that you should look for in, in your child and in, in, in addressing those and perhaps even getting the mental health supports that your child needs. That, those are great tips. Now, as a parent, let me ask you, how did you get through the pandemic because one with your child because one of the things they are um, complaining the most about is that they're not able to be with their friends. So how did you manage that? Um, you know, it's really difficult for all parents, uh, but I think for us personally, we actually formed a safe pod with one of our neighbors. Um, we're really fortunate that our children were already friends, so you don't want to force anything. Um, so it became a natural pod that our children could uh, go to each other's homes and have some sort of social outlet that way. Um, I, you know, in our household, uh, we were very strict about um, playing video games, but that's really how your child talks to their friends. So we had to we had to loosen up those guidelines and let them have that time to be able to engage with their friends as well. I would say another thing that we did is that we started taking walks as a family, um, you know, just like other working parents, you know, we were in the car all the time and we pull in the driveway, pull out of the driveway we, um, and life was extremely busy. So during the pandemic, we started getting out and walking and, and, and we could visit with neighbors from a very safe distance. Um, just being out in nature 10 minutes a day, it can really lift your mood. And so uh, we made sure to get our teens out because you know, when you're going down into your basement and it's dark and they're just playing video games, I'm like, oh my goodness, what's going on? So just getting them out of the house 10, 15 minutes a day into sunshine, out in nature, away from social media so we could actually just kind of enjoy each other's company uh, was really key in helping our family get through the pandemic. But I will share that my daughter did disengage from school. I noticed it because um, her homework load suddenly got extremely light. And pre-pandemic, she would have a couple hours of homework every night. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, mom, I'm finished. Okay, you were in your room for 20 minutes. <laughs> What's going on here? And so um, her, her school counselor reached out to me and we had a conversation. So what they were seeing was that her grades were starting to slip and that she wasn't handing an assignment. And so we uh, put together um, a, a, a circle of support around my daughter 
and and we stayed in constant contact with each with the school and with us sharing okay i'm seeing her re-engaging i'm seeing her you know she's showing me her homework now um so i i think it's really important to watch those patterns as well uh here i am working with over 400 teen girls who are experiencing a lot of challenges during the pandemic and i had it right in my own home so it's important to pay attention to your children and, and really know, uh, you know, what their patterns are as well. Right. Pay attention, parents. Now we're winding down now. So what is the one most important thing you would like parents to know about this topic? Uh, the one most important thing that parents should know about mental well-being is that, um, is that it's just a part of your child's social emotional well-being. We want to make sure that our children are physically uh, fit. We want to make sure that our children are emotionally healthy. And so this is just one part of raising your children and the and, and making them a productive adult in society. That it's not it's not an embarrassment. It's not um, a condemnation on your parenting style. Uh, you know, I shared that I work with girls every day who are having challenges, and then I had it in my own home as well. So it's not it's not a rebuke or a condemnation on parenting styles and, and whether or not you're doing what you should or should not be doing. So just make certain that we want our children to grow up to be healthy, uh, productive adults in society, and their mental well-being is just one important piece of that development and growth. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. And I love this conversation It's much needed. Maybe we can have you back again to even go further in depth about this, this whole topic. Oh, thank you so much for having me anytime. I love talking about our teens and their well-being. All right. And I want to thank all of you for participating and listening to Back Talk by Successful Black Parenting, the talk show and podcast for parents. Share this broadcast with anyone who needs to hear it and let's get the word out. Until next time, I wish you all the best and much success. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to Back Talk by Successful Black Parenting Magazine. We'll see you soon. Uh.